Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirim and Dafyomi. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. We're now in Masachat Shabbat Daf Mem Dalad Amur Aleph. About to take a look at the second part of Mishnah Vav Metaltalin Lo Yashan. So the position of Tanakama here seems to be Rabbi Yehuda, is that you can carry a candle that's never been used before, but the minute that it's a used candle, used nair, you cannot carry it on Shabbat. This is fully the issue of Isur Tiltul. Rabbi Shimon Omer, you can carry any nair, unless it's actually lit right now. Now, Tana Rabbanan, we'll see an expansion. Rameyer has sort of a middle position. He says that if this candle was lit on Shabbat, you cannot carry it at all on Shabbat. Rameyer, as in the Mishnah says, if it is currently lit, you may not carry it. We'll see why. Kavta mutar And Rabbi Shimon then says, if it goes out, you can carry it. A cup and a bowl and a lantern, those you cannot move. We'll see why. This is a Tosefta. There's over two, two paragraphs in Tosefta. He has an even more lenient position. You could take oil from the nair that went out, from shemen that's dripping out, even while it's lit. Okay, now, Amar Bay, let's examine. He agrees with his father, Shem Bayuchai, in one area and disagrees in one. He agrees in one. He rejects Muktza, and therefore he could use this, even uh, this uh, nair is not out of bounds. He disagrees about one thing. His father says the nair must be out for you to be able to use the oil or move the nair. Even if it's not out. So the Tosefta then said that even Rabbi Shimon agrees that if it's a larger container, you can't move them. He says that that's really Rabbi Yehuda. So Rizutra says, then why is the language Aval? Aval would be to be an exception. I allow this, but not that. And Rabbi Yehuda didn't allow it at all. It's really Rabbi Shimon the way we read it. When is Rabbi Shimon Matir? When it's a little nare, meaning you know it's going to go out soon, and therefore, even when you light it, you say, ah, in an hour, in two hours, in three hours, there's going to be shaman left over that I could use. These things are big, they could be lit all night. No, therefore, you didn't have intent. Now, Vahatanya, let's check this out. Surplus oil that's in the narrow and in the bowl is Asur. Rabbi Shimon Matir, he says it's Mutter. So there you see that Rabbi Shimon says, even a Kara is Mutter. The answer is Hatam Kara Dumir There, the bowl was compared to an air, meaning it's a small one. Hacha Kara Dumir In our Brighta, the Kara is compared to a Kos, meaning it's a bigger one. So different size bowls. Rizera. Pamot Now you have a metal container. Everything till now was pottery. A metal container. He suggests something odd. He says Rabbi Yehuda, who normally is Oser, would say it's not Muktzah. Because his position is Rabbi Yehuda says Tasur because it's pottery and therefore it becomes gross and disgusting with the oil in it as Muktzah Machat Mius. But if it's metal, you don't have that problem. The Divrei Ha'oser Mutar 
But the one who's, and that's Rabbi Yudah. But according to Rabbi Shimon, the Vermatir, he would say it's Asur because you, it's a big one and you don't have intent that you're going to be able to use it. What do you think, Rabbi Yudah? Only says Muktza is because something is gross, but not because it's, in, it's associated with an Isur. You're allowed to carry any nair of metal, unless you had lit using it that Shabbat. So therefore, he clearly holds that it's Muktza Machmat Isur. Elite Marachit Mar, this is how you should read it. Amar Rabbi Zeira, Pamot Shidliko Alava Shabbat. A pamot was used on Shabbat, Divrei Hakol Asur, everybody agrees to Asur, meaning even Rabbi Shimon agrees to Asur. Loid Likolav, if they didn't light on this Shabbat, Divrei Hakol Mutar. So now why does Rabbi Yehuda say that a nair that was ever used is Muktzah on Shabbat, even if it wasn't lit this Shabbat? Because it's pottery, it's gross. So if it's metal, you don't have that problem. If it was lit this Shabbat, it's because of Mechmanisur, and therefore in the case of the metal, it's also Asur. And therefore, Buddha would agree with Rabbi Shimon, if you didn't light this Shabbat, you could, with this Pamot, you could carry it. Rabbi Shimon would agree with Rabbi Yudah, if you did light this Shabbat, you can't, because it's so big, he has a different reason, it's so big, that you would not in, think about being able to have access to the oil. It's a related discussion. If you have a bed that's set aside, not for lying or anything else, it's there for collecting coins. You can't carry it on Shabbat. The bed itself, just because of the designation. He challenges from our Mishnah. And after all, you made a nair for lighting candles. If you didn't light it yet, even Rabbi Yudah would say, if you never lit it, even though you made it for lighting, it's mutter to carry. Nobody builds a bed for that purpose. You got a bed and you designated it for that. So low kolshik, and certainly if you didn't never put money on it, you can't say it's muktza. Elite marachid mark. He said, "Here's what Rab must have said." If it's a bed that's designated for maot, and you once at any point put money on it, then asula So it's both the designation and the one-time use that makes it set for that and set away from lying on it and everything else. If you never put money on it, you could carry it. But if on the other end you never designated it for that, if there's money on it currently, then you can't move it. If there's no money on it, you could carry it. As long as the money, the, the coins that are not there now, but there weren't coins on there, all of Benesh Rashot, which then would have made it Muktza, as we saw at the end of the previous podcast, um, for all of Shabbat. Okay, so now, we're not so sure about this, because Amar Ula Metiv Rabbi Leezer. Rabbi challenges from Mishnah in Kelim about a carriage, and it's Muchani, which means it's wheel works underneath. The, the wheels, the axles, etc. Muchani Shalab. It's if it's separated from the carriage. Ein Chiburla, then the carriage is not considered connected to it. You don't measure it for the shear of Arbaim Sa'av. And it doesn't work together to protect in an ohel, so that something underneath is not considered an ohel. This is the main thing we're concerned with. You cannot move it on Shabbat if there's money on it. So if there is no money, it's mutter. Even though there was money, now, we don't know that there was, and later on we'll employ that, but for right now it's reading it that way. The answer is, I hear Rabbi Shimon, that Mishnah must be Rabbi Shimon, so he doesn't care if there was money 
on a Benash Mashot. For Rav could be and Rav, who made the ruling about the bed, holds like Rabbi Yehuda. And I will see that. We assume that Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda. To Amar Rav, he said, Rav said, you're allowed to hang a nair from a tree on Shabbat, a palm tree. But not on Yom Tov. Why would he distinguish? So, if he agrees that there's a din of Tov, that's why we distinguish, because on Yom Tov you could certainly move a candle. And therefore, when you move a candle and pick it off a tree, you're also going to be mishtamesh b'mechubar, you're going to be climbing on the tree or, or touching the tree. You're not supposed to do that on Shabbat, on Shabbat or Yom Tov. But since on Shabbat, you're not, it's muktza, therefore, you're not going to avoid it. It's no problem mishtamesh b'mechubar. And ironically, according to Shimon, both should be asur, because since you're allowed to move the candle, therefore, you're going to use the tree. <clears throat> so you see that he holds like Rabbi Yehuda, but not so quick. Rav Rabbi Yehuda Sferale? They asked Rav, The Chebri were the uh, Zoroastrian priests who after the uh, success, ascension of the um, of the uh, Sasanians in the middle of the 3rd century were given a lot of powers, and they had certain fire festivals, Rashi quotes this, that uh, they did not allow people to have flames anywhere else. So they would come, and if they saw you near Hanukkah, typically the fire festival was in the winter, if they saw you near Hanukkah, they'd come in, they'd take it from you, they'd probably give you problems. So it was a bit of a danger. So Malatotol, Rashi says, that's the Shata Sakana that we had at the beginning of the second parak. So Malatotol, Shraga, Hanukkah, Mikami, Chavar, Vishabdan, Shabbat, can take your near Hanukkah and move it out of their way, so that they don't see it. He said, it's okay. So you see, he holds like Rabbi Shimon. It's not Muktza. The answer is, That's different because that's in exigent circumstances. It's hard to believe it would be Rav Ashi. It's probably Rav Kahan and Rav Asi. They said, Is that really the law? That you're allowed to do it? We're relying on Rabbi Shimon in, in dire times. So really, it should be asur, but we're going to allow you to move this near Hanukkah on Shabbat because of the of the problems. Okay, by me there are shlokish me Rabbi Yochanan. So he asked Rabbi Yochanan, chitim shezor an bakarko v'etzim shetachatan egolit mahu. What about wheat that's buried in the ground or eggs that are underneath a hen? Are they muktzah? According to Rabbi Shimon, according to Yehuda, it's not a question. Kilei Rabbi Shimon muktzah. Maybe he only holds that muktzah doesn't exist. That's only if you didn't actually push it out of the way. It's just something you didn't include in your world of Shabbat beforehand. Something that you didn't go out of your way to include, it's not muktzah. Here's something that's really out of the way. It's buried in the ground. It's under the hen. Perhaps he says, there I'll agree to the pro- prohibition of muktzah. Perhaps he says, all across the board, there's no muktzah. So, Rabbi Yochanan's answer was that the only muktza that Rabbi Shimon holds from is the, uh, the oil, is the, is the oil in a nair while it's lit. Why? And here we have a new kind of muktza, one that we already saw in the second parak, which is something that's set aside to do a mitzvah while it's doing the mitzvah, you can't benefit from it. But that's not really connected to Isurim. So he says the only one that Rabbi Shimon holds from is Shemen. 
So when he doesn't extend that principle to other things, Vatan, you have a famous bright when you put the schach on the sukkah properly, and then you decorate it with all sorts of beautiful tapestries and sheets, and hang all sorts of fruit and nuts from the sukkah, and clusters of grapes, and grain, laurels, and hang wine and oil and flour, Whatever you hang in the sukkah, you're not allowed to eat from any of it until after the last yontif. But if you made a condition, it all works by your condition. So if you said, on the third day of sukkot, I'm going to have certain people over and I want to be able to drink that wine, that works. But otherwise not. So you see that that the, whoever the author here is uh, would hold that you could set something aside for mitzvah and you can't use it otherwise. How do we know that the authors are Bishimon? The Tanra Bichia by Yosef, he made Rabbi Yochanan. He taught, He said, You're not allowed to take wood from a sukkah, a regular just gazebo sukkah, if it's on Yom Tov, except if it's the one that's right nearby, easily accessible. Rabbi Shimon Matir, Rabbi Shimon says, You may. This is a question of Muktzan Yom Tov. But Rabbi Shimon agrees that if it's the Sukkah of Yontif, meaning Sukkah of Sukkot, on Sukkot, you can't. So clearly, Rabbi Shimon says, Huktzal Mitzvato applies to Sukkot also. And he says, If you made a condition when you built your Sukkah, I'm going to use some of that Tzchach later on, that works. So how could Rabbi Yochanan say the only Muktzah that Rabbi Shimon accepts is, is uh, Shemen Shemaner? The answer is Ke'en Shemen Shemaner Kaminan, meaning it's something similar to Shemen Shemaner. Anything that's like Shemen Shemaner, which it would be also Noye Sukkot. Huevu, Ksala Mitzvato, Ksala So we actually turn things inside out, 100 degree, 180 degrees. Instead of saying that Shemen Shemaner is the only example of Ksala Mitzvah that Rabbi Shimon accepts, it now becomes that all Ksala Mitzvah is something accepts, and Shemen Shemaner is sort of the model. The only muktzah Rabbi Shimon accepts is anything like Shemen Shemaner while it's lit, since right now it's, before, it's involved, it's the vehicle, it's the object of a mitzvah, therefore it is a sur to be used. And Shemen Shemaner is the model. He has a different take. He says the only muktzah Rabbi Shimon accepts is uh, dried figs and raisins. What does that mean? It means you take fruit and put it out on the roof and say, I'm going to leave it here for two days while it dries out. And once you put it there, you've actively put it out of reach and out of use until it's dried out. So that's literally muktzeh. As like the muktzeh was an area where you would leave things to dry out. That's all he accepts. Let's say you were eating some figs and you left some over on the gaglas of man grogerot. You decided to take them up and put them on the roof and let them get dried out. It's dried out figs. Are you eating some grapes and you put them up on the roof? You had leftovers. Put on the roof and said, ah, there'll be raisins. You cannot eat them on Yom Tov unless you, in, in advance of Yom Tov or Shabbat, you say, I'm going to go eat those things. But it's not limited to that. The same thing is true about peaches and about quinces, any other fruit. So now money. Could Rabbi Yudah be the author of that? 
It's too obvious. Because Rabbi Yudah says Muktzah is true even if you didn't push it, literally push it out of the way. Here you pushed it out of the way and put it up on the roof. Here where you pushed it out of the way, certainly it's Muktzah. So Rabbi Yudah doesn't need to tell us this. This must be Rabbi Shimon. And therefore we see that Rabbi Shimon does not limit it to raisins. Other fruits are included too. So the answer is, no, Leolam Rabbi Yehuda, really, it's Rabbi Yehuda's the author. He had to add here the, the component of if the guy was eating. Because I might have thought to say, since the guy is eating, therefore you don't need them to go out of your way to say, I'm going to go eat that food on Yom Tov, the stuff that's on the roof. Because you already started eating from it before you put it on the roof. So, Kamash Balan, therefore, teaches us, Kivan Delan Lagag, the minute you put it on the roof, you put it out of mind. And out of mind is literally Muktza. So he says, therefore, Rabbi has to teach, not only something that was just never part of your world, but even something that was part of your world, and then you put it up on the roof, is out of your world until you're Mazminit in advance. So he asked his father, he said, What about uh, little dates that are unripe and are too hard to eat, and they're in a basket waiting to ripen, and here really is, really is a difference. He quotes, um, in advance as it were, uh, Rav and Shmuel will say that, uh, that, Rabbi Sh- that Rabbi Shimon only has raisins and dried figs, so you could maybe extend it to other fruits, although Rabbi Shimon doesn't seem to. But this is different, because these are not things that you've actively put out of the way, you've just stored them somewhere to ripen, and that, according to Rabbi Shimon, would not be muktzah. But the question is, for Rebbe, lately muktzah, it sounds like Rebbe adopted that position, which means Rebbe doesn't buy into the whole notion of muktzah. Vatnan, we had this mission at the end of Beitzah, ein mashkin v'shochtin You're not allowed to slaughter or to give water to wild animals. We'll call them undomesticated animals for right now. An Yom Tov, because they're not minamuchan, they're not prepared before Yom Tov for eating or slaughtering. Av mashkin, sorry, slaughtering and eating. I'll do that in the right order. Av mashkin v'shochtin tabaitiot. Baitiot means domesticated animals. Vatanya... Elo in Midbariot. How do we define Midbariot? Anything that leaves Pesach time and doesn't come back until the first rain. So they spend the whole spring and summer out there in, in the hinterlands. Beitiot is Koshiot for the Beitiot are the ones that go and, 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 uh, and graze outside of the Tchum, but they always sleep every night within sort of the boundaries of the ranch. Rabbi Omer Elu Velu Baitiotin. Rabbi says, no, those are all domesticated. Elu Mibar, you know what? Wild is called Shiraot by Efer Vein Chasot Yeshu Vomatachmalodakshamim. They go and graze out in the middle of nowhere and they never come back. Really wild animals. Okay, we're not concerned with that detail now. That's from Asachat Beitzah, but the point is that Rebbe's involved in that discussion and he clearly accepts the principle of Muktzah because he, um, because he's engaged in defining which kind of animals can be slaughtered on Yom Tov, what's considered minamuchan. So, three answers. First of all, you could call these midbariot exactly like raisins. And this is something that were sort of pushed out or by definition are so far out of your world that suddenly when they occasion themselves on Yom Tov, it's really moktza. The other possibility is Maybe when Rebbe was giving the answer to his son, he was saying, according to Rabbi Shimon, it's only Grogrovitzimukin. I, of course, hold for Muktzah. The other way is to go 
in the opposite direction of answer number two, and that is the Dibirim Darabon Kamar Lahu. In this uh, discussion about the animals, he was saying according to the Rabbanan, I personally don't accept Muktz at all. I'm a fan of Rabbi Shimon. You guys who hold that there's Muktzah, that at least you should agree that if there are animals that come back in the rainy season, they're called domesticated. They said, no, those really are still wild animals because they spend all that time outside of the of the boundaries of the property, as it were. Okay, we'll stop at this point. We still have more to go to investigate Rabbi Shimon's approach to Muktzah. In the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.